0: This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.
1: This episode of Real Estate is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio.
2: Hi, my name is Brian Colin, co-founder and CEO of Virtual Apt. What I love most about real estate is there's so many different parts and experts that go into what creates somebody's home or office and all the different pieces that you don't understand or necessarily see, but that go into the development and the creation and the ongoing
3: maintenance of the place that we all call home. Real estate is typically the largest transaction of someone's life. What if you could view more properties in less time with a richer experience? And on the commercial side, What if you could showcase your office space or hotel in a much more dynamic way? Coming up, you'll hear how autonomous robots might be the solution that we've been looking for.
1: From New York City, you're listening to Real Estate is Your Business, powered by Preview, a smart online real estate brokerage providing expert advice without the high fees. With... Real estate tech entrepreneur, Thomas Kutzman, and business development expert,
3: Scott Pollack. Brian, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. And Virtual Apt focuses on you 360-degree know, virtual tours of space. Why is that important?
2: The number one reason why it's important is because people are looking for their next Property online and the digital is really now. So, to give people around the world the convenience of browsing like they do for all products, but for the biggest purchase that they typically make, which is real estate, whether it's rental or purchase or office space, to let people get the guided tour of the spaces that they're potentially interested in to save time and money for both the landlord and property owners and brokers, as well as the convenience for the consumer. And to say, you know, I'd rather do a lot of the legwork online.
4: You know, that's interesting because as I think about my own purchase behaviors, you know, if I'm buying socks on Amazon, I'll spend hours researching socks and reading every review. But when I bought my house or my apartment before that, I got to see it one time and I walked through it and pretty quickly we're like, oh, yeah, this is it. And that is a completely opposite behavior from what I'm used to for something that's so much more commoditized. And yet this is so much more important. And it seems like we don't normally have those opportunities.
2: Yeah, I think you look at the purchase price of a car and how much research you do for the car that you're going to buy or lease and how much research you do online and how many times you go look at different types of cars and how many advertisements you see. And then you may buy a property for 20 or 50 or 100 times the amount And you have that experience and there's just no information. There's no, you know, nothing besides a two paragraph thing written by somebody that doesn't know much about it. There's no visualization that would really either make you feel confident, make you um, allow you to share it with your friends and family, because these are big decisions that you're making, sometimes not just on behalf of yourself.
3: And why do you think that the real estate industry hasn't adopted the virtual tour, the 360-degree video tour? Why haven't they adopted that quicker, given how much of a time savings it is?
2: Well, I think the technology has just begun to be functional on the majority of existing devices. Um, You had the real early innovators, Google Street View, maybe about 11 years ago, where um, you're first able to see kind of these experiences and, and um, then you have Matterport, a real early innovator um, with 360 photo technology and a bunch of other um, innovation. And, you know, maybe two years ago when we started a little over two years ago, you really saw that the newest phones were able to play these things. You were able to compress the quantity of the size of the videos down to be able to do and view a lot of the things that would make the experience full and better. Because it has to be something that's better than just pictures. It has to be something that's better than walking with a cell phone and taking a video through it. So until you're able to view it and have it be a better experience, then it's not value added. Then it's just a you know shiny object that you're using to you know draw attraction.
4: So so maybe to help us understand a little bit more specifically. What are you doing and how is it that vastly different than a broker, a realtor going through and taking pictures or or even going to the building and walking through it yourself once.
2: Yeah. So what we do is we build autonomous robots. Well that and sounds awesome unto itself. Yeah. Ro- robots are really cool. So the way it began is we originally tried to use The existing 360 rigs, VR rigs that were out there. And then we tried to hire ballerinas to walk because they're able to move extremely smooth. Actual ballerinas. (laughs) Actual ballerinas. Trained um, because, first of all, the height's good. We could put something on top of their head. They would move very smooth and slowly so that they'd be a very small part of the picture. Or the video, because we're trying to do video, not picture, in 360. And then that it would be a smooth, enjoyable experience. There wouldn't be blurring. There wouldn't be the kind of parallax and the nausea that you'd get from, you know, the destabilization when you're trying to watch it. Especially if you're trying to watch it in a headset where, you know, you need the high frames per like a second. a VR headset. A VR headset. If you're trying to watch it in a headset, you're fully immersed. Every movement is going to be accentuated. Mm. Because it's on your face. And then what we realized is, you know, the hardware didn't work. The software didn't work. And all that was able to be done was these 360 photos. And then you can kind of connect the dots. But then you take away the video element of the broker tour, the property tour, the sales presentation, the story of what makes something sell of pointing out, hey, over there is the Empire State Building. You're paying a lot of extra money because you have a view of the Empire State Building, but you don't know about it unless you read that paragraph.
4: And so the idea here is that you're, you're not just seeing pictures. You're getting the full touring experience with live commentary in a virtual reality headset experience where you kind of feel like you're walking through it. Right. And not just on the headset experience, but also web-based.
2: So just as a video, simple to embed as YouTube – where it's with our custom player, and you can view it on any modern device. So now if you don't choose to be fully immersed, you can watch it on your cell phone, your tablet, or your laptop to get that same experience when you're able to swipe and look around in 360. Now, you'd mentioned autonomous
3: robots. Yeah. So that's from the actual capture of the tour Explain a little more about that because i'm I'm sure people would be intrigued by how you go about that how do, How did the robots work during that capture process?
2: Yeah, so once we realized that the turnaround time was really slow and the editing process was slow and the quality wasn't good from the ballerina, then we realized the only way to do it and to solve all the issues that we had was to build these machines was to build robots. So we went out we hired uh you know real incredibly talented mechanical and electrical engineers and said, we need this robot solution. Here's the 20 things I need it to do um, and make it work really seamlessly and perfectly and incredible turnaround time. And the automation that can come from robots and the processing power that you can put in robots and all the different things that you can do. You can build an entire production team within the robot. And that's what we've been able to do is to say, We bring a robot, we drop it in the front, we take the exact path that the broker or the client would want to take every other client that we'd have. The robot is the walking person that's actually getting the tour. It goes autonomously. It goes one run through, take the robot to the next location.
4: Like I say, of all the jobs that I thought would be displaced due to automation and technology, it wasn't real estate ballerinas that was top of my list.
2: I, I don't think there were any real estate ballerinos before you created we, we, industry we tried an for, industry. It it was an industry for about two weeks. Yeah.
3: <laughs> now comparing it, you mentioned uh, a company called Matterport earlier and I've actually had the opportunity to use their technology to you know yeah. for for customers. And I'm curious, so they use a point to point, more photo driven technology yep. where there's a control aspect to the user that's guiding themselves through the tour. Um what's your opinion on the control aspect for the consumer to guide themselves versus a pre-guided tour?
2: Yeah. So I think when you force somebody to be an active viewer, as in clicking from point to point, first of all, you don't necessarily know where you're looking at or what bedroom you're in or the the story behind it. Um, And you're forced to be fully engaged when you may just want to watch it on your smart TV or your phone and just kind of look around without having to deal with it. And I think that the The video and the video element of the sales presentation of talking about it is so critically important toward you know helping the presentation. The whole point is to feel comfortable with knowing and seeing exactly what you have. That being said, their technology is fantastic. I uh, I like the people that are there very much. I I think um, they've been you know at the forefront of the innovation for visualization in real estate and they deserve a hell of a lot of credit Um, and they haven't done you know anything to try to um, get in our way even though we have a different uh, potentially competing technology but um, you know they're the much bigger player they have a different sales model too you know they sell the camera and they have software licensing we do it as a full service so we come in and we will do the full production also so
3: so there's a um, consistency and quality approach because with with the Matterport camera, it's a subject to the technician. So each technician might be trained differently. Where it sounds like your your robots are pretty, you know, there's a quality assurance where there's a consistency to what's being generated.
2: Yeah, so we're guaranteeing the quality by doing it ourselves, so that we will connect directly with. Um, you know, we hire veterans as our robot operators and we'll train them and they go and film and then we'll do all the post-production in-house so that we can customize it for the client. We can make sure it's exactly how they want it and what they want. And and there's a bunch of different ways that we can film. There's a bunch of different things we can build into it so it's not the same thing every time. So it's not this fully uh, post-automated where you're kind of dependent on that. Did they get the best views? Did they do it? Whereas we're taking
4: responsibility for doing it. So so where did this come from, this idea? And why did you guys decide to solve this? Because, and where do you think it goes ultimately? Like, does it change the way people buy and sell properties? Or does it kind of augment and make the experience a little bit better in an incremental way? I think it goes
2: in steps, right? So you start with... People have shown that they strongly prefer this. Um, There's quite a bit of research that's showing that companies that are using it, and I'm talking virtual tours in general, not specifically our results, um, but they're having better results. They're selling faster, fewer days on market. They're getting higher price points. Um, So you have incentive for a property owner to say, I want this. And- when you look at it, the price points have come down substantially. I mean, we just cut our price in half mm-hmm. and th- the price now is very comparable to a professional photographer. Mm-hmm. So now is that you- cost for
4: a photographer versus where you guys.
2: So we'll charge for residential, um, 50 cents a square foot is our base price.
3: And then for commercial, it'll be 25 cents a square foot. And, now, how were you able to bring the the cost structure down? Is that a function of the robots and a time savings yeah. compared to other choices? Yeah. Because it's a robot, we're
2: able to automate so much of the process, and and the software side, we're able to automate the post production also. So, because it takes us much less time, and and the quality is better, we don't need multiple takes. There's so many things that allow us to say, you know, we can go in and film someplace in 15 minutes where. Some of the other technologies may take six hours to film. We can charge a lot less if something takes us an hour in post-production compared to a week of post-production. The, the price point comes so much more reasonable. Even even though we have a large team and we have high costs, it becomes something where you're saying, hey, look, I think this is better than alternative options, especially at the price point. You
4: know, what this strikes me is, Tom, is, is that a lot of the folks that we've talked to on the show have been people doing a couple of things in the real estate industry. They've been kind of disintermediating things and bringing some of the middlemen out of the mix. And they've been uh, kind of bring information to the fore in a way that creates more transparency and ultimately makes it easier, faster, cheaper, et cetera, to, to sell your place, to buy a place, whatever. So it sounds like this kind of fits into that pattern where you You've kind of reduced the costs of of getting information out in the open made it easier for people to 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 experience and purchase real estate, and that ultimately is trying to uh you know bring the costs down for everyone in the ecosystem
3: you mean, I, the the thing that i'm I'm surprised at is that given the power of it to your point, like these incentives like you're getting shorter times on market better price points, why haven't people adopted it faster?
4: Well, is that a geographic limitation or is there anything that you think, Brian, that uh, is kind of limiting adoption or maybe it's just on the the way up and we haven't seen the full breadth of it yet? I think
2: we're getting nearly all of the big companies to kind of dip their toe in the water and then they want to do one or two projects and then they want to see the results.
4: What kind of companies are you referring to here?
2: Um, Most of the largest uh, residential and commercial brokerages, several large landlords, um, some some of the fortune 100 companies for other types of branding and marketing experiences, um, they're, they're able to see that they're getting a good return on the investment. And then they have to kind of decide how big do they want to scale it. And it's some of the time we're going to use virtual app when we need it. And we have a couple that are like, look, when I You know a lot of the companies they're pitching with our technology which to us is great because if they win the business they have to hire us and they're able to show hey this is the best thing out there if you give me this exclusive here's what i'll do here's what i'm able to do and a lot of the things are really beneficial certain types of our technology can really appeal toward um the owners where you know we're able to play it in multiple languages so now you can say look the international market's a huge market for buying in, in major U.S. cities. We can give somebody a personalized tour in their language in their country. They're going to look at your property first before they come and travel here and look at anything else.
4: That brings another point to mind, which is the idea that you know what you just said: international buyers increasingly purchasing in the United States. Uh, this is facilitating kind of a global liquidity, right, in the real estate market, such that people can 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 purchase remotely or at least start the process remotely without uh, necessarily having to be be live and that seemingly opens the door to a whole new universe of buyers
3: but does that does that cause a problem where it's isolated to the luxury market if it's more focused on international or like so the adoption you're seeing thus far from let, let's just look at residential brokerage one microcosm yeah is it just luxury is it widespread
2: it's funny it's widespread our biggest client is residential rentals in brooklyn so I mean, these are not overly expensive places. They get the same benefit of international clientele. Also, you know, we think of international as Singapore beating out China and spending billions in commercial real estate, but you're getting the same 3000 a month rentals too out of lots of international clientele. And uh, these landlords really tend to love international uh, lessees because they'll pay up front for the year. They'll pay extra money down. They'll put extra security deposit. And typically, if they end up leaving early for whatever reason, whether it's visa issue or they just decide to move away or they drop out of school,
3: uh, they get to lease it again and they keep all that money. So you're seeing it more in, more widely used in rentals versus sales, um, thus, at least thus far?
2: It's kind of an even mix. It's, it's used in both. We didn't expect that our price point would be able to be in rentals uh, except that we were able to bring the price point down and kind of go after much more of a bulk market um, because originally our price point was i think we started at $1. fifty residential so for residential rentals it just didn't make sense it made sense for two million dollar and up sales but now Um, Now that it's much cheaper and with bulk, the price can come down even a little bit more Then it becomes really affordable, especially when it's leasing these spaces faster. You don't need to lease it much faster. And we're showing that it's leasing much faster. We're showing how much time is spent on the site, how many more people are going to their sites, looking at their listings. I mean, you have the full set of analytics that are clearly showing that it's you know, creating more digital traffic and more physical in-person traffic. And it's bringing the results that any high quality visualiz- visualization needs to bring to
3: any product to be value added. You know, it's, it's super interesting stuff, especially in residential and you know, i I'd, I'd like to get deeper into you know, other applications beyond just residential cuz it sounds like you know with autonomous robots that there's a much larger you know markets uh, and applications you can you can bring to this um but as a tradition uh a tradition on the show we like to uh, you know you know break bread uh, with our guests uh, in a you know segment we call snack time snack time and uh, you know you were kind enough to to bring a snack today. Uh, you know what uh, what did you bring uh, to share today? So I brought Raspberry Pi. Because nice. A
2: play on the word of the Raspberry Pi, which is a uh, a smart mini computer that can control robots. So it's a very very common low priced uh, device that many young people are able to learn how to code on and program with, and it can actually do very high functioning. Um, Things as well, and presumably is at the heart of the robots that you're using. Uh, we use Raspberry Pis in some of the functions of the robot. I, I think our display function is run through a Raspberry Pi system. To, to
4: be clear, even if it wasn't Raspberry Pi, we'd still enjoy this Raspberry Pi. So thank you for that. Yeah, and, and,
3: and this is the first pi on the on the series, so uh, you're, taking uh, off something first. new. Uh, so uh, we're going we're gonna to check out this pie, and uh, when we come back, we'll look into uh, more of the applications uh, of your technology. Great. We'll be right back.
0: Are you looking to buy a home in New York City? Get more with Preview's industry-leading smart buyer rebate. Seamlessly search listings on Preview's end-to-end buyer platform. Purchase your home with the expert advice of a local agent, plus receive up to 2% cash back thanks to Preview's Smart Buyer Commission rebate. Smart buyers get more with Preview. Go to PreviewApp.com backslash buyer. That's PreviewApp.com backslash buyer.
3: So Brian, we were talking about your autonomous robots and the application to residential real estate, but I'm curious, how could you use your technology in other mar- other markets, other verticals within real estate um, or even beyond real estate?
2: Yeah. So in real estate, we're working in all the markets and, um, you know, we started off where we're doing the guided tours. We're doing the video 360 or VR videos, walkthroughs, tours. um, Which matters for a lot of the different types of properties, whether it's built out hotels and showing out the different types of rooms and all the amenities um, to white, you know, empty commercial spaces just to be able to see the views and the spacing and the size that the two page flyer doesn't work for. And as we progressed with the company, I kind of saw that there's. Uh, this opportunity to offer all of the visualization that a company would need. So everything pre-lease, pre-sale, you require, you know, the basics of photos, video. Um, if you need a website, if you need, um, whatever those tools are, um, even, even a marketing campaign, if you have to do, you know, ads for you're trying to lease a new building and that, there are a lot of different vendors some are very good some are very bad there's price points that are all over the place and there's nobody that a big landlord can turn to and say we just want you to handle it all we want to give you the whole budget project manage it do what you do best manage the rest of it find the best tech that's out there and it, and then it becomes much more valuable than just our services because when you're talking about a big new development and our price point is so low that whether we get a job or we get at a meeting with them it's still not helping them because you still are trying to put it on your website you're, you're still trying to get it on listing platforms you're still trying to um you know dedicate all these other resources and then they need these marketing people internally they need to make all these other decisions as well um You know, you may want drone stuff, so you need another drone person. So then if we can come in and provide everything and make it really much more affordable and really the the quality control that they're looking for, even if we're not doing every piece, if we're not making the website, but we're ensuring that the quality is there and it's going to function and be designed exactly how they want it, they're not going to get ripped off and they're going to get the end product that's going to show the best quality results. Um, by having us utilize the best technology and the best providers that are out there.
4: So when we met, I, I think I used the word, I said the name of their company as, as Virtual a- uh, Apartment, and you're like, actually, it's it's Virtual Apt, yeah. which suggested immediately that, that this is beyond apartments, it's potentially beyond real estate. And so you talked a moment ago about all of the company's visualization needs. Like where do you think this kind of world visualization goes and and does it, does it extend beyond real estate in general? Yeah. So
2: we do the majority of our business in real estate and uh, frankly the company was started to solve this real estate niche, this need of, you know, bringing the content to the digital world. Um, But in inventing our own technology and, and becoming much more of a technology company than, um, you know, for instance, a service provider or a real estate business. Um, you know, the aptitude of apt makes uh, fits in just as well or more so than apartment. So we kind of kept as virtual apt, kind of a, a play of the word of aptitude and apartment. Um, we're inventing our own technology. We're doing the so- the software and hardware is our own. We have a substantial amount of IP. Our scientists and engineers have many different algorithms that they've created Uh, and in doing so we've found um, other applications for the technology that um, perhaps we didn't originally think and as they're able to build things into the player into the function of what's able to be created uh, we're, we're able to see lots of other uses for this technology there's a lot of um benefits toward having the mobility of a robot and be able to move and having video in 360 degrees. And, you know, whether it's for branding and cool videos that get a lot of engagement and interaction, or whether it's, um, asynchronous video, which is allowing clicking within a video. So it's a choose your own path, getting to kind of create your own experience and going within a video to where you want next. So essentially at the end of A youtube video to recommend a video to go to next and they found that most people prefer that next video that is recommended because they have so much data what we're able to do is create so many other links within a video that may be more information about certain things whether it's real estate or retail or branding or shopping or full shopping experiences and bringing the flagship store online.
4: So in many bring- ways, you're you're literally entering into the space virtually, or otherwise, and that affords opportunities to to push people in a variety of directions. Whether it's seeing a product in that space or creating a new experience altogether. Exactly, and then to be able to be
2: able to buy it in that experience, or to be able to shop, or to be able to you know use the benefits of what virtual reality should be, and to kind of teleport and have a virtual telepresence somewhere else and to bring you to another location that you actually want to be. So you know we've tried to focus on not so much where the money is being thrown but where we see there to be good value and good need. That that's the two things that we really consider when we enter uh, a market is is our technology value added. Can it provide a significant service. And I'll give an example of this. We look at hospitality and you have this system now where the hotels are paying 15% or up for the most part to OTAs, these online booking sites of every single reservation. So they're paying on 50% or more of their listings, this giant chunk of money. If you can provide the visual presentation on the website, of a hotel that can give this engaging, interactive experience that especially the younger people will really enjoy because they're more used to this type of technology and swiping on their phones and looking around and giving the experience and the story of the hotel. First of all, you're adding content, which is making it more valuable. But second, you're getting more direct booking. So you're able to save that 15, 20 percent on each one of your bookings. You don't need to do many more bookings for this to be
3: massively value added. So you we see can it market that in like a social social media aspect of like Facebook ad, Instagram ad with a, like a video teaser. Exactly
2: right. And you can click it through there. They can add it as just content on their social media, whatever it is to drive traffic to their website, to get the bookings through their website, to get the branding toward that hotel and all the money that they put into <coughs> the amenities and the space and all the things that this property has that isn't even being talked about or focused on. And we'll go and talk to, you know, I had a conversation with a developer and he was telling me about how they bought some specific type of wood for this building uh, for the inside of the cabinets. And it was, you know, an extra 1.2 million over the standard option spent 1.2 million dollars but it's a nice cabinet. It's a nice cabinet. And when you have Energy. higher quality wooding, especially for a, a new development for a rental building, you're doing high quality stuff, but no mention of it online. Weren't showing it for the people that were going in person. Nobody had any idea it was there. So either it's not worth $1.2 million and he burned the money because nobody knew or cared or, or had any idea about it. Or they were just not presenting it properly and this is something that matters to people and it needs to matter if you're spending all that money on it it has to you know create an increase in in price point to be able to you know make that investment worthwhile but if you're not showing it to people if you're not showing the different types of rooms the different types of properties what makes each individual space unique then you're not maximizing the value and you're kind of hoping that the right person shows up and makes an offer.
4: Speaking of worthwhile investments, so you you mentioned that you guys bootstrapped the company and you didn't raise venture capital in the beginning at least, right? So tell us how that that got started, especially given that you guys are creating lots of technologies and IP and building robots. How did you go about getting started that way? Yeah, so to begin with, it was more
2: of uh, necessity. So we go out. And we spent the first year in pure development. So you have a team of uh, engineers, scientists, computer scientists, and you're trying to do something which a lot of other companies tried and failed at. Well, how did you find all those engineers
4: and scientists?
2: Um, to get them on board some was, some to was luck. Some was um, convincing them to take a shot. Um, there's a lot of benefits toward being in a small company. So so I think making the specific people that are working for us most successful is to make their job as enjoyable as possible and to give them, uh, first of all, the freedom to create new things and to go off in tangents when they uh, have a unique idea, um, but also to not wear them down with tasks that are non-essential, that are uh, not enjoyable for them. So, you know, we bring in food for everybody's meal when they're there. So, you know, everyone has lunch together. If they're there late, they have dinner, snacks around the office, kind of making it a enjoyable place to be. And sometimes they're in the midst of a project and they're there till 11 p.m. And you just, you know, sometimes you're there as, you know, I'm playing janitor. I clean up after them. I'll play. Hey, do you need me to go run and get you anything if that's what's necessary to help them um and if i don't need to meet with them and they don't need to take a phone call then they can just be in their own world and have their headsets on and you know typing onto the screen or programming or doing whatever it is that they're doing at that day
3: and uh you'd also mentioned uh it's the tours are actually done by veterans how did how did you get started with that
2: yeah so we we've done a lot of hiring we've grown and we try to really envision the type of skills that each um, position needs, right? So chief scientists, you need a PhD with, you know, say CUDA experience and you need math experience, you need that stuff. So we, we know going in what we're looking for. Um, for the robot operator positions of which um, hopefully there'll be many more as we expand to different cities and uh, different countries, there's these skill sets, which is, you know, the basics of it are, you know, showing up on time, professional, being able to take direction, being able to carry, you know, weight if it's a walk up, if you need to go upstairs, if you need to be in an office and um, take direction really well. If if we're working with a creative agency and they're controlling the experience exactly how they want it to be done um, and to use their own judgment, if we're in a space and they want us to do the guided tour from start to finish. Um, and what we realized is that this skill set fit in really well with the training that veterans had while they were in the military. And uh, it's been a cause that I've been um, intrigued with. The The unemployment of veterans is something that's always bothered me, and not having had any military background myself and just genuinely appreciating the people that kind of, you know, protected us and and took the role in what was needed so that I didn't have to be in a draft so that I was able to have my career out of college and they, you know, had their own career and, and sometimes they're in the military for long periods of time and then they need a break. They need a fresh start you know they're ready to hit the real world and for them not to have extra benefits uh bothered me and when you hear about you know the suicides you hear about the high unemployment rate and issues that go on um it's a problem that needed to be fixed and uh, you know again we're we're a tiny company in the scheme of the quantity of veterans that need employment. But if we can hire 10 this year, if we can hire 20 this year, if we can hire a hundred in the next two years, as big as we can grow this company, if we can do some little piece where we'll be 50% veterans and they'll make real good livable wages. They're not going to be making minimum wage. They'll be making a great career, learning skills that are useful beyond just, you know, controlling you know a robot that they can take these skills and and create their own businesses with it um that's why we do it i I think there's some economic benefits that are out there and to be frank we're not taking them we're not doing it to um you know make money and pull money from the government by adding these benefits we're doing it for one it's the right thing and second of all um they have the right talent Set and skill set for what the job requires, and there's some rules about there that we can't only hire veterans, um, but we can certainly be um, veteran preferred. And we, you know, we have a bunch of lawyers that make sure that we do everything by the line. It's not like we're segregating against non-veterans, but if there's a role, um, we'd we'd love to be known as a veteran-friendly company. We'd love to encourage other companies that are hiring um to strongly consider the veterans that are out there. I think it benefits society in a whole to not just try to steal clients from other companies. Um especially a company like ours that's automating and there's the fear of automation down the line that it's going to uh, remove jobs rather than replace jobs and um we're really not looking to Create unemployment, and um.
3: now as it relates to that—that fear of automation—and and, and b- before I ask the question, you know, I think it's very noble what you are doing with uh, with veterans, and yeah, you know, we we applaud it. Um, but as it relates to the fear of automation, especially you know going back a moment to the residential side of real estate, there's the natural pushback of like, oh well, could this put real estate agents out of business? How would you? think about that well it seems even that you're actually creating
4: jobs by nature of automation in some regards here which is the uh frequent pushback that folks that are proponents of uh, you know the evolution of the technology industry in this instance it's actually creating an opportunity for for people let alone veterans to take on new roles that previously might not have existed
2: yeah so i think it's funny because one of the things that the robot's able to do is measure uh nearly exact measurements and and When I say nearly exact, I'm talking, you know, giant, you know, many thousands of square feet or tens of thousands of square feet. And, you know, you may be inches off or an inch off or less. And, you know, we're able to create these 2D CAD plans and it would seem, hey, is this trying to replace the architect? But it's actually not. We're actually working with architects because it's one of the things that was... Uh, very costly for them and time intensive for them. And it wasn't a task that frankly was the skill element of their tests, which was, you know, the design and the spacing, but they were forced to do this. So now that they can use us to go do it for them in a very cost-effective manner, um, they're getting better quality, better measurements, uh, faster turnaround time, and they can then focus on what their expertise is and not the automated tasks that they were forced to do, but didn't want to, and not work the Sundays when they would rather be with their families.
3: Right. Understood. Um, this has been very educational as far as how visualization and the industry is changing. Um, and when we come back, we want to get a little bit more personal and understand a little bit more about you and how you took on this journey.
0: Sounds great. Thanks. The superior audio quality on Mouth Media Network is powered by Sennheiser. And as a listener, you can receive a 25% discount on virtually any headphone, microphone, and other high-quality audio product available to purchase directly on the Sennheiser website. Just visit Sennheiser.com and enter the code Mouth Media Sen that's MouthMedia, S-E-N-N, at checkout.
1: Keep up with the show on Instagram and Facebook at Real Estate Biz Show and with hashtag MouthMedia. Plus check out all of the Mouth Media Network shows at MouthMediaNetwork.com and wherever the best podcasts are found.
3: Brian, you've shared a great deal about your your company and and your views on where visualization is going, um, but what we like to do with all of our guests is to learn a little bit more about you as a person and ask you a few personal questions so the audience can learn uh, you know what inspired you to do this and also what you know, inspires you day to day. So uh, I'm gonna kick it to Scott to uh, to start with the first question.
4: So Brian, I'd love to learn a little bit more about your Home, and maybe you can walk us uh, through a virtual tour of sorts of your your childhood home, and, and help us visualize uh, where where you grew up and how you maybe uh, got on this course to where we are today.
2: All right, I grew up in uh, Short Hills, New Jersey. Um, I have a younger brother, two and a half years younger, uh, and my parents, and and very very close to my immediate family. Um, my skills were very much in math uh, for, for schooling, uh, and I was very dedicated toward uh, sports. I uh, played baseball and basketball growing up and really loved that. I would say um, my social skills were um, not as developed. You kind of look back and cringe at some of the things that you did. Don't we all? Back in the day. I, I guess so. I still look back at things I did earlier today in cringe. Yeah. Yeah. I just uh I, I guess I didn't embrace the either nerdiness aspect or the comfort in, in your own self, in your own body, in, in your own kind of world that maybe comes with going to college, going out on your own, having having your own kind of life and not fitting into you know what the cool kids are doing, for instance.
3: Now, as it relates to social skills, one of our former guests talked about how being a you know social introvert, you end up realizing later in life that you can actually be far more extroverted um, than you'd expect. And you know, it sounds like someone that's you know very math oriented. You know, how have you become more you know socially extroverted now that you're leading a company and and selling? The vision of a company, as opposed to just being, you know, more pure math-driven. I practice a lot. It's something that doesn't
2: necessarily come truly natural, um, but it's something that I've really worked toward. Um, and having not a big group of friends, but having some very, very close friends um, that I'm able to, you know, get honest feedback from, and not hanging out with, you know, just random people here and there and having thousands of loosely connected networks, but nobody that you care about or trust that that's never been uh, my strong point. Um, But I think like anything else, you can get better and better. And some things come naturally and some don't. And uh, I'm able to, you know, function in pretty much every environment. There's certain Times where I have to really fight myself to go to networking events or to go to um, certain types of parties that don't don't seem appealing at the time. A lot of times, you know, I may just feel like writing emails or sitting in front of the computer and doing some work and I need to trick myself into saying, hey, this is valuable in a different kind of way or, hey, you just need to get out and breathe some fresh air. and." You know, the ups and downs of companies and life is one of the things that make you, you know, more introverted or extroverted, at least for me, where
4: though you didn't jump straight from kind of a childhood of introversion and, and love and math to, to the real estate world running a company where it requires a little bit more of that extroversion. You you had a path through the finance world in between, is that right? Yeah. So everything that I'd ever done
2: was essentially controlling my own fate. So I never had a typical nine to five where I was on a salary. So I traded stocks for several years right out of college. Um, and you get paid based on the results of your success. So you're competing against the best in the world who are out there trading for, you know, infinite amounts of money when we're talking about the stock market and option markets. And in order to make a living, you have to be better than them in some way. So you have to put in the hours of research and you have to stare at the screen all day and be able to see things that people don't. And uh, I dedicated so much time to it and I absolutely loved it. And, you know, I, I've taken that kind of obsessive mentality of being able to work much harder than anybody else into whatever my focus is, where I don't, have a great balance in life. I'm I'm 100% in when I do something. And because it's just my natural state, I try to use it to my advantage. Um, so there's been lots of close friends who I've seen very little of, of the last couple of years, and I'll talk to them, you know, here and there, and I'll see them once in a while. But when I'm completely focused, they understand that's just brian that you know sometimes i may be locked in my house for a month just developing something or working on something and it's not like i'm angry or it's just you know he's got a focus he's got an idea he's he's doing something that he can't function otherwise without you know pushing it to you know the maximum of his
3: ability now as it relates to obviously you're very knowledgeable in robotics and working with your engineers to help you know design these tools for a layperson what would be a great book you'd recommend as far as learning about robotics or getting to know about robotics so i know very little about robotics um i am
2: fortunate that one of our co-founders uh Filippo is in charge he's our chief robotics officer he he's in charge of everything hardware related so I'll learn everything that the robots are able to do. I'll understand the process of it. And I'll I'll kind of add my input as to, you know, different ways that I'd like the robot to act when it's working with a client or how the robot should look. But my expertise is, I, I mean, if a robot broke down, I couldn't fix it. So my skills are, are far from there. And I haven't been forced to learn these skills because, you know, we have experts in that field that can do it.
4: Well, I'll say that at a minimum, you are, if not an expert in robotics, you probably know something about robots. So let me ask you this last question of favorite robot, real or fictional over the past 30 years. I'll give you mine just to seed this Johnny Five from Short Circuit 2. Very
2: cool. I really like well, i'm thinking of two one's not exactly a robot one one is the uh the the vehicles that crush each other the tv show battle bots battle bots nice. i really like the battle bots and i enjoy watching
4: that it makes me a little bit fearful as someone who's creating autonomous robots no inspiration ours don't from.
2: have any of those abilities but i i've always found that really Yet. entertaining to see the different skills that they put into crushing other objects um the, the bots that are the coolest, the videos that I'll watch are, you know, what Boston Dynamics is coming out with, the functions that they're able to get those robots to run and jump and balance. And, and the fact that they're not purely focused, at least from the outsider's point of view, on useful robotic functions, which is obviously everything that we do needs to be useful because we don't have these giant budgets to be able to do these things but they're doing this innovation on a large scale sense of what can we get this machine to be able to do um so i very much enjoy seeing um every new piece of media that they put out that's showing some crazy advanced thing awesome nice uh with
3: Brian, we'd like to give everybody on the show an opportunity to leave us with a a final thought. Uh, What would you like to share uh, with our audience? Final
2: thought. Um, My final thought is that in the real estate world, the digital is now. And um, to not be focused on what your digital presence is, your website, how you're projects look, your properties look, uh, the visualization, um, the messaging. I think it's so essential because of the way that people are connecting. And I think it's so necessary to really focus just as much on that as you are focused on the care that you put into a place once somebody's there already. I, I think um, that's really one of the big shifts that is starting for real estate, that is a big disconnect between the early adopters and the slow movers. And, um, you know, Jeff Bezos saying, you know, always lean toward the future and, and lean toward innovation. Um, there's incredible results that come with using new advanced technologies in a whole variety of different parts of real estate. And the, Companies that are embracing it and that are um, using it are the ones that will be around in ten or fifteen years and the dinosaurs that are just kind of sitting back and counting their money um they they end up being you know losing out losing market share, not to say that they'll lose over the long run, but they'll be at a major disadvantage
3: and for the listeners that want to reach out, how can people connect with you?
2: Yeah, so our site is virtualapt.com, uh, virtualapt.com. Um, my email is bc, my initials, at virtualapt.com. Uh, the The company phone is uh, 917-293-3173. Um, if they have any questions or uh, projects to talk about or just commentary, i uh, love to hear from anyone
3: excellent well thank you so much for for joining us today and uh you know, thank you everyone for listening and for scott Hi, everyone and i'm tom and this is real estate is your business You've been listening
1: to Real Estate is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for this show, or to become a sponsor, email us at show at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Real Estate Biz Show. That's Real Estate B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, realestateisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network and brought to you by Preview. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening.
0: This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.